Hey there, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Red River Rising. I'm Pastor Mike. Along with me, as always, is author Rick Salcedo. And Rick's got a great uh, laid-out lesson plan for us to get into, and I'm pretty excited about it. I'm so glad that you decided to join us and be a part of this as well today. But, Rick, if you would, kind of lead us into what we're going to get into. All right. Thank you, Mike. Uh, the title of today's message is God's Grace Unto Salvation. And uh, we're going to look at God's grace, and actually God's grace does three things for us. Okay. Salvation being one of them, and we're going to talk about each of those three things in detail um, in addition to God's grace. And then we're going to talk about some uh, doctrines concerning salvation and, and see if they really check out with, with Scripture or not. Okay. So to start off with, we'll uh, I'd like to give the definition of grace, and it is favor, unmerited favor, mercy, pity, or compassion. Okay, so God's grace is his attitude of favor toward us. And concerning salvation, it's unmerited favor. Uh-huh. It's undeserved favor. We did absolutely nothing to deserve it. Right. And even you know, after a person gets saved and they live a life of good works, they can never do anything afterwards to have deserved it. Right. It was totally um, unmerited favor on God's part. He did it strictly out of his amazing grace. Yeah, I've heard somebody say before or I've read somewhere that talked about, you know, grace is getting, uh, receiving something that we can never earn and mercy was sparing us <clears throat> from giving us what we actually deserve. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, grace is, uh, is a fundamental part of our belief system as well. Uh, right. Jesus, right. So it's God's undeserved favor on us, on us all who, who deserve wrath. That's right. That's right. That's okay. right. All right. And, um, the first, uh, scripture I'd like to look at is Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. And, and it reads, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And then, uh, another, uh, scripture is second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 which says he has saved us and called us unto a holy life not because of anything we have done but because of his own purposes and grace this grace was given us in christ jesus before the beginning of time yeah this is you know this is god's love towards us that's what grace stems from is how much god loves us Mm -hmm. that he wants to to provide a way for us to be reconciled with him yes and that's exactly what this is talking about Yes, because again, um, we could never do anything that would, uh, give a, earn us the right to have right. salvation. Right. You know, we're, it's totally undeserved. That's correct. So it's totally God's, uh, favor towards us, the undeserving. That's right. And it all started because of disobedience out of the Garden of Eden. You know, from that point, you know, once that was done, it was a choice by us to give it up. Mm-hmm. You know, and then once that was done, there was no other way to be reconciled but through that grace that God gives us. Correct. Yep. yep. And then in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it reads, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's right. That's right. See, we, we weren't even repentant. We didn't even reform our lives. We were still living in sin, mm-hmm. you know, separated from God. And because of his amazing grace, he said, I'm going to do this for you. That's right. Even Even before we were were even born right i mean you know jesus died on the cross for us that not only while we were still sinners but while we weren't even you know a thought or imagination in our parents mind Mm -hmm. god laid that groundwork for us to be able to have this opportunity that we Mm -hmm. have now yep that's awesome 
And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Yep, that's right. So once we become a new creation in Christ, mm-hmm. you know, God has a purpose for our lives. He's, he has good works that he has prepared for us to do. Okay, but again, once you get saved and you start living a good life mm-hmm. of works and repentance, that still doesn't earn you the right to have that salvation. Right. That salvation was completely undeserved and it came from God's amazing grace. And, and folks, I think that's important to remember that as we're going through this lesson because we're going to be, we're going to be biting off some big chunks of uh, spiritual food here as we're mm-hmm. going through this. So, but every time that we get into this, I want you to remember that, that that is the ultimate baseline that everything is, is fundamentally off of is that God's grace was not anything that we could do. Salvation is not, you know, earned first by our works that uh, it's given to us free of charge. Right. But we'll get into more later. But remember that as we're moving forward, folks. Yeah. And just remember, God initiated the salvation process from his grace. Right. Because we didn't deserve it. We deserved judgment and punishment. That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly right. So, yes, that is the baseline right there. God has initiated the salvation process and has offered salvation to us through his amazing grace. That's now, right. receiving it is another. We'll talk about that in more right. detail. Receiving it is another issue. Yeah. And we'll also talk about how these works come into play because there should be works in there, good works. And that, uh, you know, we'll get into this more, but they almost go hand in hand. Right. So that's what we're going to get into here a little bit later on. But, but continue on, Rick. Okay. So I want to look at Titus chapter two, verse 11 and 12. And, and that says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Mm-hmm. So here there's the three things that God grace uh, does for us. Okay. It says here, for the grace of God has appeared. So God's undeserved favor has manifested in our lives. Right. Okay. So having done that, what did it do? What does it do? Well, it brings salvation to all people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, not all people receive that salvation. Right. But it is available to all people. Yeah. Let's not forget that we have free will, right? Everything mm-hmm. that we do on this earth is a choice. And that's why it was made this way. Even in the Garden of Eden, it was a choice. It was a choice to sin. Now, this is the same kind of choice. The gift is given, but any gift has to be received. Right. So that's good that we kind of laid that groundwork because we're going to get into that some more as well. Because some people take that and say salvation is, you know, all people have salvation because of God's grace. Well, no, all people have been offered salvation. It has been presented to them because of God's grace. That's right. You can almost extrapolate that. If you took it isolated alone, right out of what you just read, bringing salvation for all people, they can run with that and say, oh, it was for everybody. Salvation is for everybody, but not everybody is acceptant of this salvation. Exactly. And uh, we're going to talk about that more as well. Yeah. And so the first thing is God presents salvation to all people. The second Mm -hmm. thing it says is it it, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Well, that's repentance. That's correct. So, and then the third thing is to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That's obedience. That's correct. Okay. So God's grace presents to us salvation and compels us to live a repentant and obedient life. That's right. And a reflection of that would be the same thing as like sanctification for that as well. That obedient life will separate us and set us apart from the worldly 
lives that are lived as well. So, yep. All right. Well, good. Well, let's right. get into the first part of this then. Okay. So the, so those three things, salvation. So God's grace uh, has manifested in our lives and it, and it brings salvation, mm-hmm. repentance and obedience. Yep. Okay. So the first one we want to talk about is salvation. And the definition of salvation is the act of saving or protecting from destruction. And in this case, the destruction is God's wrathful judgment for sin. That's right. So salvation saves us from the wrathful judgment of of our sins that we deserve. Right. I'm about saying, before we start talking about all the hate speech to God, that God, you know, is just so mean and so on and so forth. Remember, there was a there was a consequent, there was an action and a consequence for the action. And that's the way God has been throughout the whole Bible. If you do this, then this happens, right? And the choice always lies in us. And mm-hmm. it's the same way. God's, God's wrathful judgment is not mandated for you to take. There is an escape path from that. Right. There is a choice that could be made that deviates away from that because God is actually love. He's just, but God loves. Right. And that, and that uh, escape path isn't automatic. That's right. You have to choose to take it. You have it. to choose it. Yes, yeah. you do. Yes, you do. Okay, so salvation is presented to us through God's amazing grace. It's undeserved. There's nothing we have ever done or will ever do or combining all our good works to ever make us deserving of it. Absolutely. So I want I want to illustrate that. Okay. Okay, so Mike, let's say uh, lately you've been acting very honorary. Okay. You're just an honorary guy. You've been watching right? me at home here, but, but you know. But, but you know, we're, we're buds, so, right. you know, I, I just graciously want to buy you a gift, you know, give it to you, maybe, you know, make your life a little better. Mm-hmm. So I buy that gift, I put it in a box, I wrap it up, yep. and I'm standing there holding it out to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have by grace presented you a gift. Right. But yet you haven't, you haven't received it yet, have you? No. You aren't partaking of the That's blessings right. of it yet. That's right. I have just presented it to you. That's right. Well, that's the undeserved grace of God. That's right. Right there. Okay. He initiated the salvation process. He had Jesus come down from heaven, mm-hmm. die for our sins, you know, suffer and die for to pay the price for our sins. That should have been us getting whipped. Right. That should have been us, you know, having our shoulders dislocated, mm-hmm. being stretched out on the cross. That should have been us suffering right. crucifixion. Jesus did it for us. That's right. Okay. Jesus obeyed the Father, set aside his divine prerogative, mm-hmm. and as a spirit being, um, dwelled in the fleshly body of humanity mm-hmm. to die for our sins. All that was by God's grace. Right. We, we totally did not deserve that. That's right. Okay. So the gift of salvation, the initiating the salvation process, Jesus dying so that humanity may be saved, mm-hmm. um, because we have to receive it. Um, all that was undeserved. That's the amazing grace. You right. know, that's the stuff we can never do anything to, uh, you know, to, uh, to deserve it. Right. Okay. Okay, so God is is there holding out salvation to us. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not automatic. You know, salvation isn't. It's available to all humanity, but mm-hmm. um, it's not automatic. You have to personally receive it. Right. So, how do you receive salvation? Well, let's look at uh, several verses that pertain to that. Absolutely. Um, Acts chapter sixteen, verse thirty-one, thirty and thirty-one. It says. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, this verse tells us to believe. Right. Okay. Now, I just want to uh, chase a little rabbit trail here. Um, I've heard a lot of people say, use this verse to say, if you get saved, God promises to save your household. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because of that last phrase, you and your household. Right. But what I believe it's really saying is the salvation is available to everybody. Um, cause they're talking to the jailer and they're saying, if you believe you will be saved and not only you, but anyone in your household who believes will be saved. You know, it, so it, it's, it's pointing out that you don't have to be in a position of status. Right. You don't have to be the jailer, you know, in a political position or a civil position. You don't have to be the head of the household. Um, the lowliest slave in this jailer's household had the opportunity to to receive salvation. Yep. So I believe it's saying you and your household, anyone, you know, including you and anyone in your household who believes on the Lord Jesus will mm -hmm. be saved. And then we've got Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm -hmm. So here it's telling us we need to declare and believe. Right. Okay. Acts chapter 2, verse 21 says, And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm -hmm. So here it's telling us we have to call on the name of the Lord. Yep. Then Mark chapter 16, verse 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Okay, so here it says believe and be baptized in order to be saved. Okay, and, and let's, let's, t we talked about this, um, a little earlier today. Um, the thief on the cross didn't get water baptized. That's right. But we know he was saved. Yeah, that's Jesus himself told him, said today you'll join me in paradise, right? Right. So, yep. Yeah. So, um, how is that? You know, there are certain, uh, denominations that, that have doctrines that say if you don't get water baptized, you're not saved. Right. You know, and then, you, you know, we tend to create these little rules and regulations and then, you know, that's not enough. Then we argue over, well, how do you get baptized? You know, mm -hmm. is a little sprinkling right. permissible yeah, or no, 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 no. You have to be submerged. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. You know, and, and thank goodness nobody's created the doctrine that, well, Jesus was in the tomb three days, so you got to stay right. under for three days. Right, right, You right. know, right. so, you know, we have to be careful about creating doctrine. We got to make sure it's sound. I agree. Now, there's other scriptures, and we're going to talk about some of them, that say um, undergo the baptism of repentance. Mm -hmm. Okay, so baptism is symbolic of, it's not just a, you know, it is a a um, a ritual, it is a ceremony, it is a something you do to uh, profess to your community, hey, you know, I, I'm a new convert. Right. I'm, I'm a new creation in Christ. You know, right. you go down under the water symbolizing death. Mm -hmm. You come back up symbolizing resurrection and right. new creation and you're not who you used to be. Yeah. And I'm all for that. If you have the opportunity to get baptized, Me go too. for it. Absolutely. Um, but baptism also represents a changed heart. You know, just like uh, circumcision does. You know, Paul said you don't, you no longer have to physically get circumcised. It's the circumcision of the heart that counts. Right. And and that also pertains to baptism. It's a baptism of the heart, a baptism of repentance, a baptism of a changed life. And that's the baptism that the thief on the cross undertook. Right. See, so he was a changed. So in essence, he did get baptized, but it just wasn't the dunking underwater 
ritual yeah. that we we tend to think of as baptism. Well, again, I, th- I think that you know you have to look at the reason um, why people are saying that you have to be baptized. If you're taking this one scripture of Mark sixteen sixteen, and you, if this is what you're you're basing that off of, then I, number one, you know. When we study the Bible, we always look for something that uh, reinforces it. It has to be mentioned more than once in a Bible for us to, to be able to say, all right, this is something that really we need to stand on, at least twice. But like you mentioned earlier, multiple times yeah. is even better, the right? The more the better. The more the better. Yeah, a but solid also, pattern. That's right. But also, you know, just in this one verse here, I believe if you were to dissect this verse and you look at the second part, the whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. You know, it didn't mention anything about the baptism. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it qualified the previous part by saying believing is the must mm-hmm. and the baptism is a optional mm-hmm. thing with that, with that, ver- that particular verse, if right. you're going to say that. Otherwise, I believe it would have said whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe and does not be, and is not baptized will be condemned. Will be condemned right. So, yeah. so therefore, you know, when you look at it like that, uh, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and by all means, if you have the opportunity to get water baptized, oh, absolutely, do it. Yes, I mean, uh, yeah. absolutely. If nothing more than experience, I mean, remember Jesus got baptized, right? Right. I mean, and, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove yeah. upon him, and he so. said, you know, this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. That's right. That's okay, right. and I think that's probably the the example people use to say, well, you have to be baptized, right? But then again, how do they explain the thief on the cross? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, so. you're also looking at prophecy fulfillment and so on and so forth with that too. So, exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right. Let's okay. move on. All right. So, um, looking at James chapter one verse twenty one, it says, "Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you." Okay, so this says we have to get rid of moral filth and evil. So, in essence, repentance. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. This is telling us we have to do something to be saved. Well, mm-hmm. isn't that works? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> let, let me put that can of worms back. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, what do you think? Well, you know, I think this is really what, um, you know, the, the struggle comes in when people talk about this because – they want to put one in front of the other. You can't put works in front of salvation, but you can rightfully put works after salvation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where we're going to get into this. That repentance piece, um, you know, we talked about uh, here produces something different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where uh, when the rubber meets the road, where you get to see the fruits of that. Mm-hmm. You know, in Second Corinthians five seventeen tells us that when we're born again, that we become a new creation. So if we become something new. We're not going to act the old old. way. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's my take. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we've read about five different verses here, and they've all told us something slightly different. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, what do we do? Create a checklist? (laughs) Okay. I've done this. I've done this. Okay. I need to make sure I do this. Right. Uh, You know, salvation is, is, uh, you know, you surrender to God, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. you're, You're saved. You know, you don't have this big checklist. You don't go through a training process. You don't get certified or anything like that. Right. You know, it's a intimate, uh, experience between the believer and God. Yeah. Um, so it might be easier instead of trying to focus on how you get saved by focusing on what is a Christian. Mm-hmm. Okay, a Christian is somebody who embraces Jesus as Lord and Savior and lives a repentant and obedient life. So if you see somebody that professes that Jesus is my Lord and Savior and they're living a repentant and obedient life unto God, 
you can be pretty assured that that person is genuinely saved. Yeah. And like I said, uh, you know, I think the the very first part of we talked about, uh, you know, the road, the Romans road to salvation here, 10, nine, the, the declaration of your mouth, confessing it with your mouth and the belief in your heart, you know, the belief piece being the number one, you got to have belief, you know, but then once we speak that as well, and you confess that, you know, that's just that outward sign of saying mm-hmm. the same thing. But, but then from there, you're right. Then we start taking a different path and that repentance piece of what we're talking about. But salvation is, you hit the nail on the head. It is a personal thing between you, God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that, that gift of salvation being offered to you, God initiating that salvation process was totally undeserved. Mm-hmm. That was from God's amazing grace. But we just read several verses that say we have to take physical or mental action to receive it. Well, let's, uh, let's get into that more next time, Rick, because I think we're going to get into some, 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 some woods here with this, but it's good. But folks, I want you to remember that that your salvation is between you and the Godhead, right? Yeah. And, and before you, uh, before we wrap up, I just want to extend that gift illustration. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I'm presenting the gift to you. Now, if you don't reach out and receive it, you're not enjoying the benefits of it, right? Mm-hmm. So you reach out, you take the gift from me, mm-hmm. you unwrap it, you open the box, you indulge in the gift. So now you're partic- partaking in the benefits of that gift, the blessings right. of that gift. And we just saw these verses that say we have to take action to receive salvation from God. Okay. Now that doesn't change the fact that God initiating the salvation process and presenting the gift to us is totally by his, you know, favor on us, his amazing grace. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think that's where people kind of get confused. You know, they think, well, you know, I don't have to do anything to be saved. Well, you didn't have to do, you couldn't do anything to deserve being saved. Mm -hmm. God did that for you, but you have to do something to receive that gift. Yeah. And and like you said, uh, you know, we'll talk about repentance next time and see how this that all plays in. You know, repentance is the evidence mm-hmm. of it. It doesn't earn you the right to have it, but it's the evidence of a changed life. And so we'll talk about that next time. And we're glad that you tuned in today and we hope you were blessed from it. And until next time, um, you prepare your heart for the coming revival. Amen. 